Welcome to the Ad Astra podcast. Today we have with us Professor Koko von Stukrad. Uh, welcome. Um, professor Stukrad is a professor of religious studies at the University of Groningen. And he's also the co-founder and co-director of the research center Counterpoint. He has been, uh, well, he hadn't dedicated himself to his history of astrology, but he has wrote a number of papers and books on the subject. Uh, and of them, I would uh, highlight uh, Horoscopes and the Public Spheres, which he edited uh, with other authors and was the result of a big conference in 2004 in Amsterdam, which gathered a lot of historians of astrology at that point, perhaps one of the largest uh, so far, I think. Um, and also he's, he has a history of astrology, which has been quite useful uh, for those studying uh, the topic, uh, which unfortunately is in several languages, Italian, Portuguese, German, of course, the original title, but not in English, surprisingly. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Yeah. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank well, you for having me here. Especially, yeah. especially for me, because you were my supervisor, one of the supervisors in my uh, uh, MA, and we haven't seen you for, I think, nine years. Mm -hmm. So it is a pleasure to see you again. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And so let's yeah. begin. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your studies into the history of astrology? Yes, yeah. Thank you for inviting me to have this conversation and uh, astrology has been uh, a topic that I've been um, working on since my studies actually at the University of uh, Bonn and Cologne in Germany <clears throat> where, where in my master's research which is already 20 years ago or longer it's 25 years ago um, um, addressed um, astrology in the ancient context so I did my master's thesis on um, Jewish and Christian um, or Jewish astrology in the Bible, particularly uh, in the Hebrew Bible um, and in the Qumran context, uh, in the Qumran scrolls, or the Dead Sea Scrolls. And that's also what I then extended into my PhD uh, project um, about, um, again, uh, ancient astrology in a Jewish and Christian context, which then also included the Manichaean, the, the Gnostic stuff, or the, the kind of um, interreligious conversation, if you want, that was going on in the ancient world um, about astrology and about the topics that are related to that, like fatalism, like um, all these all these um, ethical questions that come along with uh, with astrology. And uh, since then, I've been. I've been working myself, if you want, uh, through the centuries uh, into uh, the Middle Ages and early modern period, and uh, and particularly the the, the 19th and 20th um, uh, centuries, which <clears throat> is my main scholarly habitat uh, over the last uh, couple of years, and also my more recent work is more. Um, addressing the um, contemporary or the modern developments of these ancient um, lines. <clears throat> but I always find it interesting to see the, the connection between our imagination of the past 
um, on and and the um, the way we deal with these issues in the contemporary world. So our our relation to the past is a very creative one, if you if 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 you want, and also modern or contemporary. I wouldn't even call it modern. But the, the contemporary um, contexts are also dictating or influencing how we how we describe the past and what we actually see and see in the past and what we don't see uh, in the past. So there is a, although I would call myself a historian of uh, science and philosophy uh, and religion, um, I would also. Um, describe this as a kind of discursive history that, that you see um, that is particularly relevant also when it comes to these sometimes called occult sciences like, uh, like astrology, alchemy, magic and, and Kabbalah or whatever. So these, these systems of knowledge that are somehow at odds with a lot of things that we take for granted for granted today when it comes to science and philosophy and religion. And what I'm interested in is looking into the, the ways that certain discourses, certain societies um, come up with differentiations between what is accepted knowledge and what is non-accepted knowledge or what is fringe, what is center, what is the hegemonic uh, approach to, to knowledge and how this changes over, over the years. And that is also what I find particularly interesting uh, when it comes to astrology, because it's it's one of the major examples where you can study the the hybridity of what we know or what we think we know about the world and how the the, the world or the cosmos is related to to ourselves, to our history, to to science, to what we know about nature, and all these all these questions. Um, and and what, what what you see is that that disciplines like uh, astrology, alchemy, or magic uh, have been uh, singled out as the the nemesis of modernity, if you want, in the 19th and 20th centuries. So so it, it's we we came up with this very binary um, is, uh, assumption that there is astronomy versus astrology, that there is science versus magic, and there is chemistry versus alchemy, and these don't fit together anymore. And it's so interesting to see that way in until the uh, early modern period, they were easily fitting together as one kind of universal understanding of the world, even though these people already knew, uh, these scholars uh, already knew uh, that, that there are two different approaches, more a measuring or calculating approach to the stars and more a hermeneutic approach to the stars. And, but they were still looking at this as two, two, two sides of one activity or one system of knowledge that, that, that are both needed to come to an integrative understanding of the world. Mm-hmm. So that's a long introduction to, 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 the, to the topics that, that fascinate me uh, when it comes to astrology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we couldn't agree more. Yes, yes. And, <laughs> we couldn't um, agree more. And that's exactly, um, for example, what I've been observing in the 17th century where my current research is focused, you can see exactly that combination because in the classes of astrology that i'm studying 
um, astrology is presented as the practical application of astronomical calculation. So you have this very complex, very well explained and developed uh, introduction to calculus, theory of motion of the planets, with all the mathematics, and then all of that as, as an endpoint, most of the cases, the interpretation facet, which then comes to be astrology. And they are presenting it as a seamless connection between the two, although they know there is, there is a, a distinction. But, but still, it's the same knowledge that is going around and having different facets of the same thing. And that, that's quite, uh, uh, quite on the spot with, with what you were saying. And this is already late. Um, some of these are, are late 17th century. And I still have an example of this in a very early uh, 18th century. Um, yeah. So you can, we can see the line going through uh, where that distinction doesn't apply to, 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 to our current uh, yeah. thought. Yeah. So maybe the yeah. question is, how did this happen? This polarization that you mentioned, this different way of looking at these things, how did and how and why did we, we change our way of looking at these topics? Mm -hmm. Why does it change and when? I don't mm -hmm. know if we already have an answer, but perhaps we have some ideas that... Uh, we can share. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I think the major transformation of this discourse happened in the 19th and particularly in the 20th century, not even, not even in the 19th century, if you look into, into um, romantic science and which is still described as, as uh, Naturphilosophie or philosophy of nature. And this is, and the, the first use of the English word scientist is not older than the 1860s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So before that, there is no English use of the term scientists. These, these were philosophers or scholars or there, there were other, other, other words for that. And that, that already indicates a little bit how, how what, what we see um, happening in the 19th and 20th century was a kind of um, polemical disjunction um, that, 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 that was going on but even even in that context not not a successful one if you look at uh, the 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 turn of the 90s to the 20th century for instance where occultism was was a hey, uh, what was a heyday of occultism this um, this this period and there was so much going on also in astrology for instance if you only look at berlin where, where I'm living, um, if around 1900, there were um, hundreds of registered astrologers you can, you can call or you can go to, and they were giving their readings in the street with, with posters of zodiacs and everything, I mean, and, and charts. And it was, and, and Corinna tried to call that a mass movement in Germany around 1900. And that was that is true for astrology, but also for other alternative kind of new spiritualities, all kinds of uh, new developments that was going on there. So even even until the 1920s and 1930s, there was still it was no not so clear which dis, which uh, way these sciences would actually go. So we we are looking at a quite quite short period of of uh, of history uh, where we where we see this this distinction 
happening. And I'm not saying that there wasn't critique of astrology before that. I mean, we know that Pico della Miranola was famous. I mean, that, that goes back into antiquity. Um, but it was still kind of critique of a certain understanding of astrology rather than that the whole knowledge system is worthless. Mm -hmm. It's certain aspects of it, like the deterministic uh, interpretation of it versus free will. That is a big thing for religious context or philosophical context, or there's other, other things that are going on. But but this this polemics that that astronomy and astrology doesn't doesn't talk to each other anymore is something that is that is quite uh, recent and just maybe to give an example of how this distorts our understanding of of history if you look um look back into cultural history and that you, you can go back till uh, till the babylonians basically uh, so 5000 years ago um and you see that, that, and that makes astrology so fascinating, I think, um, you, you see certain practices and theories about the stars that are very hard to classify mm -hmm. um, in, in a binary model, which we are so used to. Um, because if you look at that from a different angle, it can be science, it can be philosophy, it can be metaphysics, it can be religion uh, or spirituality, can be psychology, it can be um, agriculture, politics, historiography, and, and astrology is basically everything of that um, at the same time. And, and if you look at famous examples, for instance, like, like um, um, the astronomical diaries in Babylonia, which is maybe some historians call that the, the longest lasting research program in history, <laughs> because it, it's, it was a program that went for more than 700 years. And, and what, what did they do? They, they, and these were priests, so you have religion there. Yeah? Mm -hmm. so, but these were priestly scholars. These were philosophers, magoi, or whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. and uh, and there are different names for these people. But what they did was just empirical research. They just observed in a very. I mean, you can't can't do the understand this in a more modern way than than what they do. They just wrote down everything they observed without interpretation, and everything was just put together and on on clay tables. Yeah, you know, and then. And, and then uh, written down and archived everything like a fox came into town or there was this disease in that province or there was a shortage of this grain or something, everything. And at the same time, they recorded everything um, that, that Venus was reddish this or was, was rising reddishly or whatever. So, so all these kinds of and of course, also the exact observations of the of the um, paths of the of the stars. And then then they they wrote this down for like seven hundred years. And then when when something something happened again, like again a Venus was reddish or so, what the, the priests had to dive into the archives and and look up what happened last time. Oh, there was a shortage of that grain, or there was a um, upheaval in that province or some and then then they checked 
had to report to the king, um, oh, maybe you should be careful with that region there, with that province, because they might there might be another troublemaker there or something. And and that was an empirical test, actually. And if they didn't find, or if the king wasn't happy with it or whatever, so they then adjusted their observation. So that was, at the same time, a very empirical method. Uh, and But also, it shows the hermeneutical aspect of it, because then they still, these priests had to, the, these um, priest scholars had to write their reports to the kings and you and we have all these letters of the of the scholars to the kings and they say oh i'm i'm so i feel so terrible i tried to look uh, for weeks and i've observed nothing the 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 king must have given up on me some this very so you see the kind of hermeneutical part of it that the interpretation you have to come up with something that is meaningful and not just a correct ob uh, observation or calculation and that there is this hermeneutical there the interpretation part that sometimes puts astrologers in very precarious positions and that's true for an astrologer in the 21st century just as for an astrologer at the babylonian uh, um, court where they where they had or in Roman in the Roman Empire where they were very strong but also quite vulnerable, and 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 that's that's an interesting combination of of what is actually going on there in this in this discipline, and if you go through the through the centuries you see this as a red thread um, of of um, astrological history that there is this conversation between empirical research and testing and what we today would call scientific method and the hermeneutical part of it. And another example would be the horoscope selections, um, uh, collections in, uh, in the early modern period. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Günther Oesmann uh, did a lot of research on that and others as well to s another forgotten kind of historical source that we have that that these people in the 16th, 17th and, uh, century were collecting and Kepler was one of them of course but, but uh, they collected um, charts also to test the ancient um, theories yeah. and like like Ptolemy, who said that I couldn't come up with all uh, in the second century, came up with a, I, I couldn't co have come up with all my theories without having the astronomical diaries mm -hmm. in the archive in Alexandria or wherever he had access to it. So that was an empirical basis on that. And then the, you have this ancient system of knowledge and method to interpret a chart and so on, so to, to do your spiel. Um, but then, but then these, these methods were also developed further in the Islamic context in the Middle Ages, and then later as well with new algorithms, with new kinds of interpretations and rules and house system, whatever, you, you, you name it, it's everything. And, and so many people as practitioners in the early modern period were dissatisfied with, with Ptolemy's rules and with all these things. We need, we need more um, um, in the house description or whatever. So let's collect these charts and, and do a kind of survey. 
So it's not just an, a curiosity, it's also a, a what we today would call a true empirical scientific approach to, to chart reading that, that motivated these people to, to compare uh, charts and to test hypotheses if, uh, if Jupiter is in this uh, and if this is also if this means something then it should also mean the same thing in other charts so this kind of kind of empirical research was was a was a very strong um, element of it and then at the same time like Cardano who, who who said well the art cannot be taught in total because it is we, we can only teach the judgment of of the expert, and that so there there is this hermeneutical part of it again. That's still today. I mean, you it's so complex if you if you read a chart that you have to make selections and you have to focus. Some is based on experience, others is selections based on intuition or the feedback that you seem to get from your client. All these all these things are part of the hybridity of this of this knowledge system, which is fascinating. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was listening to you and I was recalling some of my authors, which they try, these are religious people. So they are trying to do um, a practice of astrology that is fitting to a religious context. So it has to be naturally explained. So it's a, a, a typical um, restructuring of astrology of the 17th century. And at the same time, you can see them struggling with several facets of the astrology, which cannot be explained. But they need them for example, for medicine, yes, for, <laughs> for medicine. They need it for medicine, but that doesn't fit with what they were saying uh, before. For example, one that I find very curious is that they removed the the the, the house meanings as being superstitious and and made no sense. So the houses are basically a method to measure the the, the intensity of the planet's uh, strength. Uh, so there is no meaning. But then they come to medicine. And they need the sixth house to signify sicknesses and the eighth house to signify death. And that doesn't match. Mm. And you can see them struggling to, get, to achieve an explanation. <laughs> and, and it's very interesting because you, you can see the fight between these two processes going in. And, and the symbolic aspect uh, is necessary and they cannot get rid of it. Uh, <laughs> or else the system just goes down. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, they 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 are struggling, and and you also see, I mean, medicine is also so interesting to to look at because there there you also can can see the these two two ways that that of approaching um, illness or whatever or healing, um, and the body and its connection to time and so on and and processes. And, and you can see, for instance, in, in uh, Paracelsus also, you can see the polemic that is going on uh, in, in the science, scientific understanding of, of medicine. Like, like th there was this new empirical um, approach coming up in, in his period, um, 16th century. And then, then you have to um, repeat uh, our observations in in nature. That was a new kind of claim, and, and we still believe in this. Yeah. And I mean, if you look into contemporary science, how often it is actually repeated is a different question. Yeah? Also in science, and and we can think of Bruno Latour and all these 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 critics who say that that 
science is not an exact endeavor, it's a social endeavor. And I mean, that, that is still the case, but, but if you look into the 16th century, and you see then this, this, this battle about methods to study uh, nature and, and the body and, and illnesses and medication, all these. And then you have um, um, Paracelsus, uh, who's always fun to read, um, <laughs> very, very polemic. And then, then he has this polemic about these idiots who think that, that you can have an experiment and a week later, you can't do the same experiment. How stupid <laughs> are you not taking into account that, of course, you cannot repeat it because the stars are different. different yes. It's yeah. never the same experiment. How naive are these people? And you can, you can then see these different kind of paradigms clashing in, in, in such an interesting way. And, and we today think, okay, well, we, we made a decision and, and we, we, we chose the successful system. I mean, you can also trouble this narrative that, that, that we have in many interesting ways. That, that's so interesting. I have a question about this because we, you have been talking about astrology since antiquity. And uh, one thing I think we all agree is that astrology is a survivor of everything because it, it it is it survives all kinds mm -hmm. of crises it still remains and i wonder and this is my question is this hybrid nature hybrid nature of astrology it, could it be at the same time a strength and its weakness because the hybridity of astrology is probably one of the things that allows it to survive but at the same time it puts astrology in this kind of between between no two worlds, land, no, no man's land. land. Yeah. So how can we um, look at this hybrid nature regarding its survival? Mm -hmm. I don't know if astrology today is not exactly the same as it, antiquity, obviously, but that is because it survived. At the same time, it changed and remained. So it's kind of it's so interesting to, to see this i don't know how, exactly how to formulate this question but just a few ideas mm -hmm. <laughs> for you. i think it's a very good very good way to to put it um, that that it is both a um, um, one aspect why it, why it survived in some form in in different forms of course but there's still we're still talking about astrology and even uh, if you if you look into the contemporary the 21st centuries it's even booming in the western world um, so so there's certainly um, uh, an aspect of this flexibility the hybridity which i don't mean as a negative thing but but a kind of or polyvalence if you want to <laughs> use but but it, it is a different uh, it, it can look differently from different perspectives that's certainly a, a, a good thing if, if it wants to survive and at the same time you like like what you said already it, it's also um, it opens up critique to from different Different points of view, um, actually, um, but particularly also from from um, the the contemporary science um, science approach and and the methods that we have um, that that basically marginalize all philosophical or or spiritual aspects or links between different levels of the cosmos or whatever. So. Um, so the, the, what 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 we see is is a, a kind of 
dis distinguishing of domains where where astrology might be useful uh, and astronomy might be more useful, um, and and these don't um, uh, talk to each other um, in the way they they talk talk to each other in earlier earlier periods. So I um, I agree, and then then you also see this particularly coming from the um, astro uh, more intellectual astrologers, if you want. Also in the 20th century, you have uh, uh, yeah, examples um, of that, uh, like Thomas Ring in Germany, for instance, one of the uh, major, maybe the most important uh, astrologer in the 20th century in German-speaking context, where they tried to come up with a new understanding of astrology that is more in sync with um, with uh, social scientific approaches and also with uh, with um, uh, natural science uh, approaches so so there are there are attempts at coming coming to to kind of symbiosis or to bring them together all Calgus of Jung was, would be another example and many people in his generation particularly before uh, the second world war or in, in the interbellum phase where there were so many um, um, ideas about the, um, the, the link between astrological approaches or astrological tradition and the new physics yeah, and the new science that is holistic and not uh, not um, reductionist. And you have this these with um, um, in 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 the in the quantum physics in uh, in re uh, theory of relativity. So so in the twenties twenty twenties, you have a lot of interesting conversation that also included astrology, like Wolfgang Pauli, a Nobel laureate in physics, who even wrote a book together with uh, Carl Gustav Jung on synchronicity, mm -hmm. and 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 so there was this conversation that was. Um, basically lost, I think, after the Second World War, where we have a very strong reductionist, very uh, strong empiricist understanding, uh, very anti-philosophical uh, in science, particularly in the US. In, in Europe, there wasn't much going on anyway, certainly not in Germany. So, so the, the lot of traditions were also broken in that. And then, then you... Um, that, that's the thesis of um, Kaiser, uh, how the hippies saved science. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So then, then you had these, this kind of revival in the trans, transpersonal movement in the 60s mm -hmm. and 70s, also the, what then later was called New Age movement, but this is a very problematic distinction. It's a, it's a revival of, of um, philosophy of nature approaches in quantum physics that led to quantum mysticism and all these spiritual kind of things that also brought forth astrologers like uh, Richard Tarnas, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, whom I mentioned earlier, and, and his understanding of putting this all together. But it certainly comes more from, from the practitioner's side than or from the astrologer's side than from the scientific side. Yeah. But when, when it comes to more general philosophical understandings of what does it mean to bring metaphysics uh, or spirituality together with uh, physics um, and also biology is a big, big thing uh, now to, to look into consciousness in 
planetary consciousness that is different than what we can measure and all these all these conversations that are going on maybe it will also include astrology at some point again i don't know mm -hmm. yeah. i hope so and uh, also you mentioned uh, tradition and there is in the middle of these new movements there's also the so-called return to the tradition which oh, raises uh, this interesting question that uh, is what is tradition where should we go to find the pure tradition and i know you addressed this question several times so i would like to 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 have your thoughts on this mm -hmm. yeah it, it's i mean tradition is a is always something that that we we identify somehow in in as a as a red thread that leads to maybe to what we are or what we don't want to be anymore or whatever so so we we tradition is always something that that helps in in terms of implotment of narratives and so on so we have this very strong narrative about how modern science came about um, and that goes back to Thales in the Greek uh, ancient world, fifth uh, or sixth century BC, um, where, where for the first time uh, metaphysical uh, or religious interpretations of what's going on in nature are no longer accepted as as an explanation. So he was modern avant la lettre some something yeah and and all these narratives that we have and we forget about that that um Thales thought that without the gods we wouldn't know anything but i mean that that doesn't match totally our kind of understanding of the of the rational uh, greeks um so tradition is always something that we that we um um that we make but we don't make it up right so so it's there's there's always something that that we can refer to or that we can um be proud of or that we that we want to have a critical look at or whatever so we always engage this kind of tradition but i think the um and and, and when you look into concrete pockets of tradition or parts of this system that we call astrology it is interesting that that there is some amazing continuity and if you look at, at certain interpreta interpretations of the planets for instance if you go back to babylonian texts like 4000 years ago um omina texts or whatever if they relate venus to a certain um, impact or mars or whatever terms they use then for for these planets but these planets and and so there's a certain certain um, continuity and at the same time the the continuity is also quite um simplified right so venus is this or there's a certain is still i mean there are still astrologers today who use ptolemy's uh, interpretation of the houses or something which um, has come under critique for many many centuries but there's still you can identify certain certain lines that are running through and that that makes it quite um quite fascinating i think and i don't know many other um systems of knowledge where you can see this this amount of continuity certainly when it comes to the the um euro mediterranean um cultural sphere 
Yes, that's what I think astrology provides in terms of the historical and cultural study. It's it ha, it's millennium old, so it, you can see these variances and these interactions and these changes with society, with culture, with scientific knowledge. So it's a vast, it's very rich, as you were saying, it's a very rich example, case mm -hmm. study uh, for, for this kind of shift, transformation mm -hmm. and interaction. Yeah, yeah we, we always <coughs> say it's, it's kind of very solid. It has a, a solid <coughs> core and a very flexible uh, exter external parts, so it's very adaptable to different cultures, not only mm -hmm. European, as you know, but different cultures, mm -hmm. uh, different religions, different system, society systems, and at the same time, there's this, what you just mentioned, this continuity, this coherence in the basic principles. So the basic ideas are there, and then they are like getting this cultural makeup for different cultures. So this is one of the interesting parts, probably one of the elements that uh, that uh, uh, secures its survival. Mm -hmm. Simple principles and then uh, ad ad adaptability, so to say. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. very, very fascinating yeah. topic. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's why we are talking about it. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. And also it's, it's, I mean, there are other, if you, maybe it's a, it's a basic human um, desire to know about the high greater meaning of my life and also maybe the future um, or the past <laughs> um, but the, the the advantage of astrology is if you compare it to other prognostic systems they were prominent in the in the in the ancient world um, like sacrifice sacrificial animals all kinds of the 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 flight of the swallows whatever I mean all these all these things and they were also complex systems of knowledge that that were read then by experts but but even then already in in antiquity uh, astrology also works when the sky is overcast you know, because you can calculate where the where mars is and that and and all these so so the kind of the the rational or the or the what we would call the scientific part of it was also through these centuries i think a a um, a reason why it survived in this in this continuity, yes, because yeah. it, it was open to kind of uh, not only to uh, to interpretation but also to demonstration. Mm -hmm. So it it is both uh, scientific in the sense that it, it is open to demonstration, and also because it fulfills a basic human need, which is to understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably why it is mm -hmm. so relevant mm -hmm. yes. still today. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. I think I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we could stay and talk until Christmas yeah. because this is a very interesting topic. <laughs> and yeah. th thank you. Yeah. I will want to thank um, you very much. Yeah. Oh, and, you uh, yeah. I want to to ask okay. you of your current projects a oh, little yes, bit. Oh yes, of course. Um, you you are associated with. Um, with that counterpoint project, uh, uh, could you please tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, um, so there are two things. The one, both both um, of my current activities relate to what we've talked about, uh, because the counterpoint um, navigating knowledge is a kind of um, network that we built up, a, a platform where we provide 
perspectives on different forms of or systems of knowledge also to to start thinking about or to continue thinking about um, what how do we get out of this planetary crisis that 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 we are in and are there traditions like what you said about traditions are the traditions that that help us to get it get the bigger picture or get different different perspective of what's going on and also is there understandings of science that also are self-critical in a way so that that we that we um reduce um, our understanding of the planet and what's going on um, on the planet to to 20th century science is that really helpful or do we need to extend that to other um, other perspectives as well can we learn from indigenous knowledge systems from art from literature from um, from knowledge systems like astrology that that were discarded in in mainly only in Europe and North America, not not in India or in other parts of the world, but in so so can we can we come up with a kind of conversation of that, and uh, so that that is one uh, one activity I'm involved in, and the other one more concrete is the book project that I've uh, just uh, uh, finished, so the the German version. Uh, came out uh, last year already, and uh, and I'm now uh, having the English version copy edited, and it will come out with Columbia University Press in spring, and the topic is also resonant with what we talked about. It is it is a cultural history of the soul in the 20th century, and that also addresses um, astrology, um, but also this interesting phenomenon that that uh, you see that until the 1920s in, in European discourse, the soul was everywhere, everywhere. Everyone talked about the soul and, and consciousness and spiritual links to whatever, um, holistic understandings of science and philosophy and all these in, dis in different um, disciplines um, approaches to the concept and then and then after the second world war you see that that psychology got to totally rid of the soul there is not a con concept that is used anymore even in psychological dictionaries if you look them up there's not even an entry on the soul anymore so so the 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 discipline of psychology was so um, focusing on being an empirical science very reductionistic and and uh, behavioristic so there's no 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 room for kind of spiritual vague concepts or something but at the same time the soul was extremely popular outside of the acad uh, academic discourse and the popular culture is all over the soul so the whole transpersonal movement is about the soul and and what you see is that the soul is turned into consciousness in the English-speaking speaking world, and higher consciousness, the anima mundi, yeah, the the world soul that Carl Gustav Jung wrote about, and and Wolfgang Pauli, as a physicist, wrote about, uh, who already said in the in the 30s that um, since Kepler, um, the, the the anima mundi was lost, um, and and we have to regain it. That was a Nobel laureate in the 1930s, right? But it was completely lost but in 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 this kind of new um, cultural context that we sometimes call new age 
but it's much broader. It's broad, broad transformation of um, American and and European uh, discourses that that happened in the second part of the 20th century, where these where these conversations were putting were put together again, and and the anima mundi, uh, the world soul, became became world consciousness or cosmic consciousness in all these movements, and it's a very popular term, and and so so I, I I trace basically the or reconstruct the discourses on the soul. It's not not a history of psychology or whatever. Or the soul, I don't even know what the soul is. And I'm not interested in knowing what the soul is. But it's so interesting to look at what people think about the soul. So these discourses on the soul, the animistic new religions that and spiritualities that have come up in this. And they are all over the place in the 21st century. Animism is no longer a boo word. You know? so, so it's a very positive self-identifier in environmentalist approaches, in nature-based spiritualities, in all kinds of contexts, including astrology. I think that's also one reason why we see uh, a rise of astrological uh, practice again in the 21st century, because it also has to do with a kind of um, understanding of the soul or the, the, the link between the individual soul and the cosmic um, things uh, in some way or another. So in some way, this is also related to astrology. And I'm now working on that, uh, on that publication, which will also keep me busy uh, next year, I guess. I'm, I'm looking so, forward yeah, to I'm it. Forward uh, to it will be in 2021. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we are looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah. Yeah, the English version is uh, is done. Basically, only has has to be copy edited, and then yeah, it will come out with Columbia. Mm -hmm. Oh, great! Well, well, we're looking forward. For yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> okay, we're so. all looking like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would I thank you very much for that. It was a, a great conversation. great conversation. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, thank yeah. you very much for the opportunity to have this conversation with you thank you yeah. and so, when pleasure. when the book is ready maybe we can have another podcast specifically about this book, book. yes and, and yeah other topics pleasure. Mm -hmm. thank you thank you mm -hmm.